Welcome to Unshakable with Human Design, the show dedicated to helping entrepreneurs use human design to shift from hustle to flow without sacrificing results. Come here to become an unshakable human and build an unshakable business according to your human design. I'm your host, Nicole Lano. Hello and welcome to Unshakable with Human Design, everybody. I am your host, Nicole Lano, and I'm here with a guest today. It feels like every single conversation I have lately with my friends in the industry, with people that I work with, colleagues, and even my clients, big questions about launching. Our launch is dead. Should I go evergreen? There's all these questions. Everybody's got some solution that they're hoping will work. In my experience, it's not that anyone actually knows anything. They're just like, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm believing so hard that it's going to work. I'm going to talk about it like it is the way. And I decided to have one of my good friends. She's also a member of our Human Design Lab VIP. So I, I get to see her even more because she's in our monthly calls. We've worked together on human design. She's a four, six emotional manifester, and she is the launch queen. She actually has worked on my launches earlier in my launching career. Now she's too big for me. She works on some of the biggest launches and really just has such a breadth of experience in this, not in her launching herself, but in actually supporting people in their launches and being the mastermind behind these launches. This is my friend, Hallie Gastinelli. She's just such a wonderful person. And I remember when I first started launching, everybody was just like, you have to get Hallie to work on your launch. Hallie's the best. Hallie's the greatest. And then I worked with her and I've honestly, I've never worked with anyone that's so great with having the back end of the launch thing work so seamlessly and really know how to engineer a launch to be successful. So I'm so happy to bring her here with you. I'm going to read you a little bit of her bio so you can get more than what I just said. But Hallie spent her career in several different industries from Marriott Hotels, Wells Fargo Home Mortgage, and BNI. She started her entrepreneurial journey 15 years ago when she became a professional organizer. So it tells you a little bit about how she works. Uh, she taught herself how to run launches when a client needed support. Two years and 150 plus launches later, she has perfected her own brand of launch admin support, social selling, and management. Currently, Hallie has expanded beyond launch support to full strategy and consulting. She helps coaches, consultants, and service providers translate their expertise to the online world with ease and joy. She's also a best-selling author, a very recent addition to that bio. Hallie, thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so honored. I, I got kind of a lump in my throat when you were talking about me. That was so flattering. Thank you so much. And receive, receive, my friend. What a wonderful welcome. (laughs) Well-deserved. I don't fluff. I only speak the truth. Because there there are some people who come on the show that I know to a certain level. You and I have known each other for years now. We've known each other for about five years-ish? Something like that. Four? Maybe four. Four years? Four, yeah. Four years. We finally met in person. I know. I know. It's so funny. This year has been the year of me meeting my four-plus-year friends in the flesh. And it's been wonderful to get to hug everybody in person. But we actually, we've known each other for a long time. You've worked on my launches. I know many people who you have worked on their launches. You're very embedded in this entire world. So you've earned everything that I said. You are the mastermind behind so many of these launches. There are people who have brilliant things to sell, 
but you add a particular genius to it. And part of that is the strategy behind it, too. You've taken everything that you've learned over these last few years. And I love that you're expanding yourself into the strategic side of, of launching as well. But let me start off by letting you say hello to the audience and tell them anything that I missed in the buyer. I like to give the guests the opportunity to introduce themselves. I don't think there's anything you missed per se, but what I like to add is that I would call myself a mastermind. I love that Taylor Swift thing you just said there. I would call myself a mastermind of launches because I just learned it along with all my clients too. So I boots to the ground, embedded in launches, going through all of them, learning from each one, implementing what we learned in the next one. So it's not like I took a class or read a book on it. I learned as we go. And so the market's ever changing. And that's why I like the strategy piece of it so much, because as you see things shift in the online space, you have to learn from those things and adjust for the next launch and the next launch. And I think we're in a really interesting season in the launch scope, but I got there because I'm living this along with my clients. So it's a real life experience that I learned. That's why I know this so well is because I just did this right alongside of everybody. That's exactly why I wanted you to be on to have this conversation, because it's that. But it's also the fact that it's multiple launches that you're a part of, because it, it can be sometimes your offer. So I have a perspective on launches from how my launches have gone, but you have a perspective of how multiple people's launches have gone. The ones that you've been a part of and you've seen the behind the scenes of so many of them that you've seen what doesn't work and what does and probably have some strong opinions as to why. Yeah. Yes, I do. I think if your big question is, do launches still work? Is there still a place for launches? My answer is an absolute yes. But what we have to do is let go of the expectations of what was happening when we were all working from home in the pandemic. It's going to be very rare to see results like that. So the first thing is resetting your expectations for what one singular launch can do for a business. And I have seen the same launch repeated, and sometimes they have multiple six figures, and the next time it's a little slow. So there is a natural roller coaster to launches. And that's just going to continue. And so the launch landscape is going to still be a bit of a roller coaster, but we need to reset what we're thinking a launch is going to give us. And we, we need to just erase what we experienced for a couple of years with just waving our wand and whatever we put out there works. Now there's a real formula you need to have in order to have a launch be successful. It's three-pronged. And if you're missing one, it's kind of like a stool. If one of the stool legs is a little shorter, it's going to be wobbly and you're not going to have the results as you would if all three prongs are really well-rounded and balanced. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about what all of those other pieces are. First, let me ask you, for the people who are less seasoned in this space, talk about the launches. What type of launches do you work on? Are you only working on the nine-day launches still or do you work on other length launches, different types. So these are live launches that we are talking about. Right. My specialty is the live launch challenge where it's like a Facebook challenge or a boot camp where you're teaching your audience something free for about five days and then you have bonus sessions after. So you're teaching and selling for five out of nine days of a launch. You can shorten that to a two-day workshop or a masterclass. But what I specialize is in the live teaching. 
most of my clients still stick with the full nine days because shortening your time with your audience usually shortens the amount of sales you have. So they're sticking with that formula of the nine day. The process works pretty much the same for any kind of live teaching. It's just how many days are you teaching? And so you're teaching them a piece of what you are going to help them with in your paid program to give them a sense of who you are, how you coach, have them really have a win during their time with you so that they really want to work with you ongoing. Like if this is what they're offering in a free workshop, imagine what I could do in their paid program. So that's the beauty of the live launch. So that's what a a launch is. There are many different kinds of launches. There are evergreen launches. There are just email launches. There's all different kinds, but I specialize in the live launch. Yeah. And I've done them since we met. That was how we met. We met in a program that taught you how to launch. And I've done them and I truly haven't found anything that delivers quite like a live launch. One of the big Mm -hmm. things for, for me and for my team is we noticed that retention was very difficult to keep for the full nine days. And most people, myself included, just were like, I'm not seeing the payoff I was seeing for the amount of time and energy that it takes. And I'm curious, has there been anything that you've been doing that has helped to improve retention? Because that's the stuff that I feel like you bring to the table because you bring such experience to it. Is there anything that you're doing that has really helped or we've shifted this to keep it fresh, to help people show up till the end and then ultimately boost the conversions at the end? Because that's what we're obviously all looking for. I think the first thing everybody needs to understand is there's going to be a natural decline in people that are attending your launch throughout the week. That's just to be expected. It's human nature. We're excited about something day one, but by day four, we're not. We're excited about joining the gym in January. By the 15th of January, we're not. So there's a human nature element that you need to keep in mind, but it doesn't mean you don't do things to help engagement ramp up. One of the main things that I see happening is that they're not having a human connection part to their launches. So if you're going live, and even if you do email sequences and reminder posts and text reminders, there's a human connection element to our launches that we do. You could call it social selling. I don't really call it that because we're just nurturing them. We're serving them. We're connecting to them. We're reminding them to show up. So that's a huge part of it. If you're not doing that in your launches, you're missing out on the opportunity to really, really connect with them and make them want to show up, serve them more, answer questions in the DMs, send them reminders, send them replay links. So that human touch is pretty important. And I think especially in our world of AI that we're leaning to, the more human connection that you can involve in your launches, the better. On that vein, offering a VIP option in launches is a a trend I'm seeing. So you can offer that for a very, very small fee. When they register, give them a VIP option, give them more human touch, offer a daily Q&A or a Q&A a few times during the launch. That seems to pull more people into the fold too. You could do the prizes and giveaways and just freshen those up each time. Mix up your bonus sessions. There's a whole nurture email sequence that I see a lot of people missing. So they register for the workshop, but then they don't attend. And you expect that to a degree, but what could you do to make that less? Nurture them in between registration and showing up. So what are you doing in that week or two that they've signed up to show up? What are you doing to entertain them, serve them? Are you giving them more information? Are you giving them a little assignment ahead of time? So these are new things that I've added on for my clients that help keep engagement levels the same. Even though if sales and conversions are dipping, 
I haven't seen much of a change in my launch's engagement. Does that mm. make sense? Because yeah. we're always looking at ways we serve them in between or what can we do to serve the people that couldn't attend but want to watch replays. Every launch, you look at what you could do better without changing the actual formula of the launch or without having it be too overproduced. I think the connection piece is the biggest. So finding those ways that your audience can connect. Is it that your audience doesn't really like the DMs? Maybe you offer an e the email option to them to connect with you instead. Little tweaks like that make a huge difference in the show up rate and engagement rate and launches. Yeah, we've started in our emails sending out um, a link to my Instagram and asking people to voice memo me over there if they have questions. And that's actually worked really well, linking straight out to it. So we make it easy. Most of the people who are in our launches follow mm -hmm. me on Instagram anyway. So that's been a great way to start that conversation directly with me. And that's usually further along in the launch yeah. that we start doing that because I do want to make people know in my programs, I'm really accessible. It is sort of a disconnect if I'm this wizard behind a curtain. I show up, I do my thing and I disappear. It's very different than the way that I show up in my right. programs where I'm very accessible and I'm very in front with my people, particularly what I end up selling through the launches. Right. So you look at the met metrics differently. And I think that's an interesting thing to call out. You look at the engagement versus the conversions. And I think people only look at conversions. And we definitely look right. at that too, where we've looked at and we've been like, engagement was really high, but conversions were low. And I think that it's showing you where you might have a disconnect. And I want to ask you about this. Well, or when you said we had engagement, but not as many conversions, so we missed the mark. And I like to reframe that to, we had a lot of engagements, but not a lot of conversion. So they're interested in what you have to say. They're raving fans. They attended. They consumed the information, did something with it. They just didn't buy your product. So there's also after launch surveys that you might want to do to pull the audience. Why didn't you buy? But instead of seeing we missed the mark, I see it as like, where's the gap we can fill? Because mm. there are a whole lot of people that engaged with our launch, but didn't buy this product. Is there something else that we could offer them that they can still start to become a client of ours and work their way up to that program? Because we're seeing that happening a lot more now than we did back in the day when we were all launching. Everyone had one signature product and that was it. And you launched it or you didn't. You might have had a VIP or a one-on-one -on -one that you would offer, but most people were trained. Don't do one-on-one, -on -one, only do high ticket yeah. group. Well, now you're noticing these people are coming in. They're not all a good fit for my signature program. So where can I still serve my audience? A highly engaged raving fan audience. Let's not ignore them or think we did anything wrong. Let's look at what we can do. Is there a downsell? Could you package your launch and sell it to them with some extra assignments and get them working on this at a deeper level? And then they'll repeat the launch and become your client later. So when I look at the metrics and I see a high engaged launch, but not as high conversions, A, that's partly what's happening in the market, but also just seeing it from the lens of the positive and what we can learn and still monetize and serve the audience where they are. I think that's a big trend that's happening now. You're seeing smaller pieces of courses being pulled out of the bigger program, being offered at a downsell. You're seeing in-person events. You're seeing people expand their product base and not just selling one signature launch. And I think if you're on here and you're not doing that, that might be something you really want to look into in 2024. Pull your audience first, though. Don't just get in your own head and think, I know what they need. 
really do some market research before you put a lot of time and energy into creating a new product or an offer or a program. See what they need. Why didn't they buy? What could they use help with to stair step them up into your program? Are we seeing an extension? I'm seeing this in the buying cycle and how long it Mm -hmm. takes people to buy. And there's a very big difference between how long does it take someone to buy a $7,000 program and how long does it take somebody to buy a $200 program? It's going to be a very different Mm -hmm. time period. Um, I can fall in love with something tomorrow and buy it instantly if it's 200 bucks. If it's 7,000, I I might need some more convincing, might need some more time to get my stuff together. Are, Are you seeing that where the buying cycle has been stretched out over more time? Absolutely. 100%. It was already kind of happening, but people would maybe do one or two launch cycles and they would buy. Now I am seeing it stretched out a little bit more. I think people are just more mindful of where they're spending their money and their time. So it's partly money, but it's you're also hearing I've committed to other things and I'm very selective now with where I'm spending my time. And I think that's a trend that I actually love in our world that I'm not tapping myself out. I'm not burning myself out. I don't have a piece of me in all different programs and places. They want to have a singular focus on what they need next in their business. And is that program the right one for them at that moment? And if it's not, it's okay. It Mm -hmm. could be in the future if you nurture them properly in between your launches. So it's absolutely happening. And it feels like a negative in the time because you're like, gosh, our launches used to make easy 200,000. And now we're working to hit six figures. And there's the whole maybe later, it feels like a bad thing. But it's actually, I think, a a good sign that people are being more purposeful with their time. And when they do engage, they're going to mean it. And they're going to take action. They're going to implement what they're learning in your program instead of people that sign up and never participate at all. And you don't want that in your program either. Exactly. Well, that's demoralizing, too. You have people join and then they don't show up and they don't apply themselves and they're not doing. And then you start wondering, what can I do? And then if you're me, you go into people pleasing mode where you're just like, what more can I do for you? How can I lift you up more? Or you just start to feel like, I wonder if this is really working. And it's not a reflection of the program. It's just the wrong people are in it. I I wanted to highlight something that you said, and I'm going to highlight something from your human design as well. You've brought up connection with your audience, with the people who are participating in your launches and in your world several times throughout this. And then you brought up something really important, connecting with people and nurturing people in between the launches. How are you doing that when you say that? Because you are a four six. I'm going to call that out right there. You're a four. It doesn't surprise me. That is part of the magic that you bring because you do manage community really well. You do bring people together. People feel instantly close to you and you don't lose people. You have friends and the same people in your world that are still coming to you and they're like, hell, he's my girl. Very four-line stuff. But how are you nurturing people in between launches? What does that look like for you when you say that? Because I think that means different things to different people. Nurturing means still serving them even when you're not selling them something in a genuine way with things that they want to hear that are top of mind for them. So if you have a Facebook group and you've stopped going live in it because you're tired from the launch, showing up on a consistent basis in front of those people, offering them some free 10-minute training, that goes a very, very long way. Then also, is there an update to something? We're also nurturing our past clients too. So staying in front of them, having a group just for alumni, 
staying connected with them and, and making sure that they're nurtured as well because they could refer clients to you. It, it's an all-over community. The serving doesn't go away just because you're not in launch. So that means emails. That means going live. That means doing other fun things in the group. Like we had a, ne- a networking meeting one time in one of my groups. Just, hey, join us to get together and network. That was as people were starting to do in-person things again and that we were missing connections. So there's nothing to be gained by that other than to foster a really strong community and serving in a genuine way. So the only time you're serving them is in a launch. You're not going to be top of mind all the time. And then continuing your connection in the DMs with your team with those people go a long way also. So we're just not showing up in your DMs when we have something to sell you. We're checking in on you all the time. Did you say you're going to be ready in two months when you finish school? How is that going? Congratulations on graduating. So it's the human relationship part, but it's also serving to the community itself through Facebook Lives. We have a year-long schedule that we do for my clients. When they're a part of my launch program, nurturing their Facebook group ongoing is of vital importance, doing engagement posts, engaging yourself, answering questions in the group, like having people from your programs pop in there and help answer questions. All of that doesn't take a whole lot of time, but it keeps you top of mind with them and they know that there's a genuine desire to help them on their path to whatever it is you're teaching them, right? Whether it's health and wellness or something business related or a specific skill you're teaching them that you're just not showing up when it's time to have them buy. Yeah, and it it does feel different when you build a relationship with your audience. I mean, this podcast is a big way that I do that. And I know who my rave, fan listeners are because usually they, a lot of them make themselves known and then there are tons of people that are like i've been following you i've been listening to every episode and i've been thinking about booking a reading with you for months and and i didn't know they existed so launches are a great way for people to raise their hand because that's when i get to see those people come out of the woodwork and when i find out where they found me from i know which pieces are, are working and then i can keep in touch with them and they know that they exist and usually for me i do it through the dms and through following them on social and keeping up with what they're doing but it is important right. to actually track that stuff and have a crm something i have been very guilty of not really keeping up with and we're changing that my team has just put that together where we're like like i have to get more organized with this because it's not an intention to let people fall off it's just i can only hold so much in my head in my energy But if I'm reminded and I have a place to go, be like, oh, I haven't connected with that person in a long time. Let me go reach out to them. And it doesn't feel phony doing it that way. If they're real relationships, if there are ways that I know that I'm serving these people. And for me, the podcast is one way. I know if they're listening to the podcast, I'm serving them twice a week. I deliver a good show and I know that I'm doing that. So I feel Mm -hmm. like my side of the street is clean. But I I, want to ask you one last question. Then I want to ask you a little bit about your human design and your journey with it. I, I want to wrap this up with, can you give me three things for someone to remember when launching? I think you've mentioned some, but let's recap a little bit. What's the three most important things to remember going into launches and these like more scalable sales events in 2024? Mm-hmm. And then what are some important mm-hmm. things for them to do? Like the most important things to do and the most important things to remember. That's a tough one because there's mindset and then there's tactics. So I don't know which one you want me to lean into here. I'm going to go with my instinct and say, let me start with mindset. The first thing, if you're in the launch world and you want to continue launch cycles, 
the first thing you need to do is detach your value from the results of any one particular launch and know that there are going to be ups and downs. And low sales on a launch doesn't mean it's not working. There are so many intangibles that come out of a launch that might be on the lower side of sales that could have just created some of your best clients in the future. And if you give up or say it's not working because of one, you're missing out on those future relationships. So part of it is mindset. This is a long game. It's a piece of a strategy. And one bad launch doesn't mean it's not working. So that that's one thing that I would want everyone to remember as they go into 2024 is be a scientist. Look at this from a scientist's point. Of, what worked? Let's tweak something and measure it. Go into it with curiosity and fun and play instead of intensity. Like this has to work. We know what that's like when you go into something with this has to work or else your team feels it. You feel it. Your audience feels it. So there's a little bit of checking yourself and mindset about the realistic expectations of a launch and then who you are showing up to be in that launch. So that's a little bit of the mindset. The technical things that I would say is really take a step back from your launch strategy and look at your holistic marketing. So how are people finding you? What is their experience with you when they come into your world through Instagram? What's their experience if they've watched on a podcast? What's their experience if they've joined your Facebook group? And make sure you're nurturing them at all places so that when you do launch, you have some credibility and you're already have been giving to them and they're going to want to be a part of what you're offering. And then strategy wise, there's three things that need to be happening for a launch to succeed. You need to be teaching them something or bringing them through something during that launch that gives them a win, that's solving a problem that they're having in that moment. And you need to serve it up to the right audience. So make sure the people that you're inviting to your launch are qualified people, that they're the right people that listening to that message at the time. And then your offer really needs to be something that they can envision themselves being a part of and seeing results in. So testimonials are really, really important here. So do you have raving fans? Put them all over the place because they can listen to you sell, but it's your fans, the people that have experienced transformation in your program, highlight them more than you maybe did in the last couple of years, because I think that really speaks volumes. So those are some of the things. I think that that's great because the gift that you have for everyone is going to tie into a lot yeah. of the tactics around planning a launch that works for you and that's profitable. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that we're also pointing out there with having those testimonials really front and center is people have been burned and people have not gotten results from things that they've invested in and they want to see that you're somebody that can actually deliver. And when you hear somebody's experience, it allows you to look at them and go, does that sound like me and like the problem I'm experiencing? Right. And when you hear it through their own experience, it's a very different connection to it. I know I look at testimonials right. and I'm going, these all sound really vague. I don't think these are the results that I'm really looking for. Right. I haven't seen right. that or I am seeing them and I feel like they are valid and now I feel better about buying because we want people to feel really excited about buying and feel like yeah. what they want is on the other side of it. I want to shift yeah. gears right here to just talk about your journey with human design. Like I mentioned, you're a member of our VIP tier in the human design lab and you're a 4-6 emotional manifester. Mm -hmm. What has been your experience? What has human design done for you? Oh, I think human design has really um, helped me to understand that there's nothing wrong with me, but I get an email about something and it get, makes me angry. 
And before human design, before the human design lab, I would judge myself for being mad. Like, what is your problem? Why are you so short tempered today? This person just needs help. And now I'm like, oh, this isn't the right work for me. And the anger is a sign of that. And it's, it's a sign to pause and to think about it. And there's nothing wrong with you, Hallie. This is just the way you're designed. Maybe you ought to shift gears and delegate that task to someone else. And so I was fighting against myself on a daily basis. And now that I'm involved in human design and, and really d- diving deep into what that says about me in the workplace, now I feel the anger and I'm like, that's a little signal. And I don't go through that whole downward spiral of judging myself, making myself bad for feeling that way. You could go down this whole thing of criticizing yourself, just really feeling validated in my reactions and behaviors and desires. That's just how I'm made. It's not that there's anything wrong with me and there's nothing to fix. And I am already an awareness person, but it really heightened my ability to be in awareness of my reactions and mood and decision-making process. Um, and it's really helped me to embrace who I am and my strengths and not feel bad about myself all the time. Yeah. And it's like, we can be aware and you see something, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times the judgment piece is there because we see other people like, I shouldn't be doing this anymore. I've been working on this. Why do I Mm -hmm. feel this way? That's just your mechanism. And as a manifester being very in the weeds on a lot of things, that's constantly going to happen. Has it changed the way that you operate and the way that you've structured things in your business? Has that shifted anything for you where you've seen not judging and actually accepting, maybe causing you to look at things in your business differently or in your life? It has. And it has. It really has. And I think the first thing is, like I mentioned, just being in awareness and understanding that's what's going on. And then the next level of that is, okay, what am I going to do about this? Because I could be in awareness and still have that same irritating reaction to an email. If I don't do something about it, it's going to keep happening. Just because you're in awareness of it, it doesn't mean that it's okay to stay there. So I have really made a pointed effort. Delegate 80% more than I did prior to diving into human design. And I've done it in a way that the release of it has been so beautiful In the beginning, it's like when your kids go on vacation, they're not with you, they're with a friend and you don't have to feed lunch to them and you have this sense of worry, like, what am I forgetting? Oh, I'm not feeding my child. Oh, but that's okay. There was someone else. You have a little bit of that sense when you start delegating, but that didn't last very long. And it's been such a freeing opportunity for me. Now I'm back into emailing my database. I'm more creative. I'm um, coming up with new offers and things that I want to do that just light me up instead of getting stuck in responding to emails as much. So it has completely changed the landscape of how I see my 2024 going. And I had to do baby steps of that at the end of 2023. And now my team member I've delegated to now, I'm seeing her do things that I didn't even think of doing. And she's rising Mm -hmm. to her best self by me giving her more work, more responsibility, more authority. And so that's been a nice side effect too, because I'm allowing someone else to work to their best level. And has this done anything for your confidence to do the things that feel a little more out of the box for you or more of that strategy, more of the forward-looking things, the visioning? 
Has it made you feel more it, confident it in taking those steps? It, it does. I, I would say I'm probably about 50% there because I'm a, a little newer to this process, but I, I'm so confident that next year is going to look completely different for me. Plus, I'm keeping in touch with you. And in the program, it's, it's ongoing work. It's not a one or done. So you slip back a little bit and then you check in on a call or you, I message you about something and you help remind me of things. So that's why the program works is because you don't take a course, you learn it and you're done. It is like any change you make in your life. But the confidence level that I have now, knowing that this is what I'm meant to be. I'm meant to be a strategist doing this newer version of the work and leaving the other behind and not in a negative way because my clients are still getting served, you know. So I feel very, very confident that this is what I'm meant to do. But I'm also going to get the support that I need as I'm going along in that journey by you through your program because we're human. And it, there are going to be bumps in the road, right? Well, absolutely. And everybody thinks that I'll hear the thing I need to hear. You'll tell me what this gate means or you'll tell me what this is. Mm -hmm. And then I'll know what to do. And okay, bye. And that's fine. If that works for you, <laughs> great. It just hasn't been my experience. It wasn't my personal experience. And it hasn't been my experience with clients. It's, you need to hear things over and over again. They need to penetrate. They need to integrate. And you're changing and opening up and shifting. And traditional human design will tell you it takes seven years. What I don't like about that messaging is it sounds like nothing changes in for seven years and that's just right. not the process. Right. But at seven years, right. I'm sure you will feel very differently than you did at one, two, or even mm -hmm. six years. It'll be a very different process. You've changed. Yeah. But the other thing I just wanted to mention, as you were talking about your team member stepping up and you're seeing her do more creative and valuable things that you didn't even think of. By you blazing the trail, this is manifester, by you blazing the trail, by you moving on what you feel creatively drawn to, that you activate other people into their genius. That is part of your role here in the collective. And if you're playing small in that realm, then you, you are keeping them from stepping up. And that's, that's not to make you feel bad about it, but, but to make you feel more right. empowered about taking those steps and feeling more and more confident every day that this is what I'm meant for. This is what I'm meant to do. And making a move like this doesn't just benefit me. When you talked about confidence for any type of human, if you're holding on to your past ways of being, when you said you're playing small, you get so stuck. And when the gates open and you start learning new ways of being, it's scary. But there is a time when you're like, but what if this all really happens? And yeah. human design part of it really helps clarify that. It's not so vast and scary. You're using your strategy and authority to really help make these decisions. It, so when I'm struggling with something, it's not this vast of the world is my oyster. What am I going to do? That's almost too big. It really helps you along the way in this journey, make really good, solid decisions that are right for you based on your own design. And yeah, it's helped take some of that fear out of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And because I would I give very different advice to a generator than I do to you. It's a very different yeah. way of being. Yeah. And you guys are only eight to nine percent of the population. There aren't many people that would have your experience unless you happen upon a manifester that was your mentor, which you might be drawn to. People would most likely be giving you advice that worked for them that doesn't necessarily apply to you as well. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing with us. I love having you in the lab. I love having you in my life. And thank you for sharing all of your wisdom as far as launches are concerned and your, your perspective on this.
Thank you for sharing your experience. Tell everybody where can they stay in touch with you? And I know you have a free gift that you wanted to, to give everybody who is a launcher. Where can they grab that? Yep. If you go to www.mypredictableprofit.com slash launch checklist, you'll get a PDF emailed to you that's a really, really thorough checklist, cuts out all the noise and gives you tasks of what to do. It helps you plan your launch too. So that's my free gift to you. And I would love it if you follow me over on Instagram and we could connect there at My Predictable Profit. We will link all of that up in the show notes for you. And that launch checklist will save you a lot of time. Focus your energy, focus all of your tasks. So I highly recommend picking that up. Hallie's stuff is very organized. Do you remember when I mentioned she was a professional organizer? This, this applies to many areas of her life. Thank you so much for making it all the way to the end of this episode with us. We appreciate you. Please let us know what you thought about the episode over on Instagram. I'm at Nicole Leno Official. Thank you for being here. And remember, in order to have an unshakable business, you must first become an unshakable human. So thanks for letting us take you on the journey of becoming unshakable with human design, everyone. We'll see you next time. If you love this episode and you're a fan of the show, please show us the love on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the show and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with other entrepreneurs on their human design journey, join our free Facebook community, Human Design for Entrepreneurs. Go to nicolelano.me forward slash podcast links to join the group, book a human design reading with me, or access our free human design resources. We'll see you there.